But I think funding is still a major question that folks have with regard to how do you holistically address social determinants and health equity in a way that you can really move the needle. Hello and welcome to HIMSCast. I'm Susan Morse, Executive Editor of Healthcare Finance News. We are here today with HS Blocks Operations Chief, Lynn Carroll. Hello and welcome, Lynn. Hi, Susan. It's good to be here today. Yeah, um, great to have you on HIMSCast. I'm wondering if you can first start by telling us what is HS Blocks, what is it, and what does it do? Yeah, so HS Blocks, uh, we are focused on value-based administration, which means operationalization of value-based contracts and the associated stakeholders to those contracts, which would be payers, providers, and patients. But certainly, as we've talked about uh, previously, uh, there is a need to fold in more health equity related types of organizations. So you now talk about bringing in community based organizations and social service agencies uh, who traditionally have not used um, uh, healthcare standardized transactions. So we, we built a platform to meet them where they're at which incorporates uh, use of mobile technology and the ability to digitize non-standard uh, types of data, including unstructured uh, data. And what does it do to bring all of these entities together? So what we've done is we have built a platform uh, that has applications on top of it germane to these types of arrangements. So you might think about these arrangements incorporating things like population identification and attribution, uh, a set of business rules related to inclusions and exclusions underneath a value-based program, and then different reimbursement triggers that might be either pay for performance related or they might be full or partial risk uh, types of arrangements. This all sounds like value-based care then, is that yes, correct? absolutely. Yeah. Um, what is that connection uh, between value-based care and health equity? So one of the things that we have noticed as we've built applications in the healthcare space over the last several years is that there's been a trend toward acceleration of value-based programs. And at the same time, uh, as a result of COVID-19, I think there was a heightened awareness of health equity-related uh, issues, uh, often referred to as social determinants of health. And I think there's a focus uh, between uh, risk-bearing entities and payer organizations on how do you incorporate these more health equity-related uh, components, specifically community-based organizations and social service agencies. Uh, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but the interoperability and the exchange of data with such organizations at a community level can be a challenge. Right. Is all this interconnected with the interoperability rule, value-based care, health equity, and let's not forget COVID driving a lot of this? Yeah, certainly. So there are, as you're probably well aware, a number of standards on the HL7 fire side. Specifically, there are also codes uh, now that are available uh, to address uh, coding for social equity related items. However, uh, as you uh, were alluding to, there are challenges with regard to connecting and exchanging this data. And so some of the things that we do on our platform assist in bringing these non-traditional organizations into what we refer to as value-based 
plus community uh, networks. What is that? So when you think about a community network, you're going to think about traditional medical uh, service providers, as well as these community organizations that address things like uh, food insecurity, uh, employment counseling, housing uh, needs for uh, housing security. Uh, There also could be uh, different behavioral and social uh, organizations involved. Uh, at a street level, uh, because literature uh, supports that uh, somewhere uh, around 80% of health outcomes are actually driven by non-medical situational uh, factors. Yeah, I find it amazing how much providers and payers have gotten into the space of trying to solve or at least try to um, move forward on issues that really used to be thought of out of the realm of healthcare. United uh, Health Group has built housing, Kaiser has built housing, Montefiore uh, has built housing for people. I mean, this seems really to go above and beyond what we currently think of uh, for social determinants. I mean, that's a huge investment. Um, But are you finding more of this going on that more people in the healthcare space are getting into investments to stop um, you know, health from getting worse down the road. So recently there have been uh, some approaches related to uh, tax breaks for unrealized capital gains uh, where organizations uh, and corporations uh, may be able to take advantage of some of these tax breaks to fund into different districts uh, that have been identified as areas for uh, of social need and uh, where they have different social determinants uh, present in some of these districts. So I think there's going to be some funding available there, which is a, a unique and innovative uh, approach uh, to addressing how do you actually fund these programs. And then we've also seen employers uh, looking at their wellness benefits and trying to determine should they allocate all or a portion of their wellness benefits into the social determinants uh, space. That's interesting. Has has money opened up because of COVID? Are you seeing more funds for this because COVID uh, really called attention to inequities? I think it's kind of a mixed bag. I think the attention uh, certainly is there because of COVID. And some of these programs have been put in place uh, as a result of it. Uh, But I think funding is still a major uh, question that folks have with regard to how do you holistically address social determinants and health equity in a way that you can really move the needle. Uh, Because some of the uh, approaches taken to date have been uh, good, uh, but they have not been significant in size. And so if you look at the different social determinant domains that need to be addressed, there's a significant amount of funding that is needed. But they're coming up with it. It sounds like they're they're deciding this yeah, is worth I, the investment. I think that, things are moving in the right direction for sure. Um, but there's there's always you know the start and then there's the end. And will we ever find the end of it? Who knows? But I think we are going to see continued approach of addressing these and also continued funding. It sounds like technology is needed too. I mean, if you're going to recommend to a provider or payer or Anyone else who wants to get started, is there any technology or digital solutions you recommend? I know that your company has 
uh, solutions platform? Is there anything else that's needed? Yeah, I think the, the challenge that you get into when you bring in uh, community-based organizations and social service agencies is that the technology is all over the map. Uh, some of these organizations are small, they're um, funded annually uh, and are always looking for additional funding. And some of them are here today and gone tomorrow. And so as you look at uh, the ecosystem and trying to get them into place, uh, there's always going to be this question of, you know, what kind of technology do they have? They're, most of them do not support HIPAA standard types of transactions today. And so uh, digitization of unstructured data becomes an important part of being able to bring them into the, these types of networks. And I do think that uh, you're going to see digital and uh, mobile technology be a big part of folding these organizations in. And how does this tie into the interoperability rules? Yeah, so on the interoperability side, I think, uh, as you know, uh, CMS and HHS have been pushing uh, getting into the health equity space. I think the interoperability sides of it are important and critical with regard to you know, traditional players who either have to disclose information or bring this information in. Uh, what will remain to be seen will be how quickly we will be able to fold in non-traditional players uh, with the technology that they currently have. Uh, some of them are fairly sophisticated and use uh, pretty good technology, but there's a whole host of organizations in the community-based and social service space that do not have uh, what we would consider to be traditional uh, healthcare transaction processing. And so from a data exchange standpoint, we're going to have to meet them where they're at. And that means we'll have to digitize a lot of unstructured data, as well as bring in some uh, non-standard transactional types of data and map it into uh, standards for exchange with traditional organizations. Are providers and payers ready for this? Are they? Well, I think they are in terms of being able to understand uh, the risk profile of their uh, patients or members, uh, depending on what side of the equation you're on. But I do think that patient engagement uh, can play a part uh, in the interim uh, in the absence of full adoption of standards uh, from the uh, less sophisticated types of organizations. You talked about hierarchy earlier. How does that tie in? Are we talking about the hierarchy codes? Well, from a hierarchical standpoint, we're talking about how to administer these programs. So when you look at most of the value-based ecosystem, there's some source of funds, uh, source of funding. Could be Medicare uh, Advantage programs. It could be uh, commercial carriers. It could be employers themselves. It could even get down to state and uh, local government types of programs. But there's funds available at the top of the uh, pyramid. Then as you move down uh, from a hierarchical standpoint, you get to risk-bearing entities, those who are going to take risk on these value-based uh, programs. That gets into IDNs, ACOs, direct primary care contracts. Uh, you could look at the uh, direct uh, contracting entities, which are now ACO reach. And those types of organizations are gonna absorb risk and have either full or partial risk. But downstream from those organizations, there's then uh, participants in these programs that are either affiliates or um, network participants who need to share information as well as uh, receive different uh, financial incentives. 
which could be in the form of payments, it could be in the form of upside uh, risk sharing or downside risk sharing. And when you have to manage the flow of funds, manage the flow of data, you need an infrastructure to do that. And that hierarchy of source of funds, risk bearing entity and downstream participating providers, that's what we have built is the ability to manage those programs across the ecosystem. Okay. Thank you. Very interesting conversation, Lynn. Thank you so much for joining HIMSCAST. Hymns-